Welcome to Sports Bites. Welcome to Sports Bites. With your host, Chris Joseph. Chris Joseph. Are you a sports fanatic who loves the thrill of the game and the delicious food that accompanies it? And then they had uh, chicken fingers, exotic chicken fingers. Join us as we dive into the world of sports and the delectable bites that make the experience even better. Whether you're in the stadium, tailgating, or watching from the comfort of your home. Get ready to satisfy your sports cravings with Chris Joseph on Sports Bites. Bites. Let's dig in. What's up, guys? How y'all doing today? It is Chris Joseph, host of the Sports Bites podcast. Welcome for coming in. No matter how you're taking in this podcast, if you're listening on uh, your mobile device through Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, however you're doing it, thank you. I also am doing this on YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, enjoy it. Leave comments. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow, do all that stuff. Spread the word. You know, I'm trying to get this thing growing, trying to move it forward and to positively always move forward. But a lot going on since the last time I was on. I kind of did a live broadcast talking about, you know, the college playoffs, what was going on. And we had the national championship game, Michigan versus Washington. And again, I'll admit I was wrong. I had Washington winning that game and really kind of, you know, that offense. Because we had heard Michigan's defense was really good. Number one, as far as points scored against them, they averaged right at nine points a game. But then when I was looking at who they played, it's like, did they really have a good defense or did they just not play that explosive of offenses? But what I saw, how and what they did to Alabama and to Washington, I tip my hat to that defensive staff. That defensive staff and that defensive team totally affected the outcome of that national championship game. I mean, nobody was really coming in higher than the two quarterbacks they faced. You think about Jalen Milrow. You think about Michael Penix Jr. Two guys that had a very high ascending season and the confidence level was was skyrocketing but that defensive line the secondary did everything they could to disrupt them hit them the physicality of the Michigan defensive line Graham was in the backfield the whole time and it was it was impressive it was impressive now I felt bad for Michael Penix and and we all know everybody the saying if it bleeds it leads people are watching Michael Penix holding his ribs, walking to, you know through the tunnel. And, and those are times where I wish, man, the, the guy just lost the national championship. Let him do his own thing, all right? Kind of back away, give him his space. But it is what it is. I know people want, you know, people do want to see that. But Michael Penix absolutely flustered in that football game. But Michigan comes out victorious. You know, Jim Harbaugh, through everything that happened this year, and and I've mentioned it before in other episodes, what I hope doesn't happen is in four to five years when, if they find out that everything was true about the sign stealing and and illegit, you know, the, the wrongdoing at Michigan, right? That they vacate wins. They take away victories. They strip the national championship. And... It's going to be a bunch of kids that are at Michigan at that time that had nothing to do with what's going on right now, if it happens. Because you know the NCAA 
is slow at what they do. So, again, congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. Wire to wire. It's going to be really, 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 really hard for any team to go undefeated moving forward. Now you go to a 12-team playoff. The SEC is expanding. The Big Ten is expanding. There's probably still some more conference realignment coming up. The Big 12 expanding, bringing teams in. So there's going to be a lot of realignment still to go. And I think it's going to be extremely difficult to go undefeated. So kudos to Michigan. You know, his his brother was there. His dad was there for, for Jim Harbaugh. And he did it. Now, there's a lot of rumors out there that he's going to be leaving to possibly take an NFL job, get away from all the NCAA stuff. We'll get into that after this. But really talking about this football game, and it started early. I have been one to come out and say that Michigan was not really explosive. If you look at the type of offense like Washington had with Adunze and McMillan and Michael Penix, but the way they were explosive, it was impressive. And it started extremely early. Donovan Edwards rotates in at the back. He's got the football. Bumps into traffic and escapes. Donovan Edwards racing to the end zone. Michigan flexing immediately. Donovan Edwards. I mean, again, that initial contact bounces off. Sidesteps to the left. Off to the races. Gone. With a quickness. Defense comes out, smack, smack, smack. Does what they need to do. Donovan Edwards, who scored the touchdown in the first possession, back in the game, and he's loose again. Edwards, off and running. Welcome back, Donovan Edwards. 46 yards. Now, at this time, Donovan Edwards has two carries, two touchdowns at 100 yards, and Michigan is just waylaying Washington. So I will say this. I commend Washington for fighting, for staying in the game, but you know, I, I made the joke, and I'll admit it. I'm an Oklahoma fan. But I said Washington is very close to Oklahoma-ing this national championship game because, well, let's be honest. You look at what happened in the playoffs. Uh, I know they came back and made it closer against Alabama in the Orange Bowl. Uh, what LSU did to them in the Peach Bowl. I mean, it, it's... You have to understand it is what it is. And so I made the comment that they're very close to Oklahoma, you know, this this championship opportunity. They fought Michael Penix, a great leader. Um, Dylan John, you know, he was hurt. You could kind of tell he wasn't 100%. But what was interesting is to watch how Michigan affected Michael Penix. Throws that he was making all year, making him look easy. He was overthrowing a Dunze. He was missing... And it just, he never seemed comfortable. A lot of throws off the back foot. But that was because, and again, tip my hat, that was the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for the University of Washington. That was the best offensive line in the country this year, according to everybody in college football. And Michigan did whatever they wanted to. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who say holdings were called there, not called. Uh, officiating had nothing to do with this game. Michigan came in and set the tone early, both offensively and defensively, to make this a very, very physical football game. And again, what I like, what Michigan does offensively, and really looking at film from the Alabama game to the Washington game and going back and watching it, 
It's what they do to put themselves in position. But then it's just it's it's blocking assignments. And that offensive team knows what to do. Loveland, I thought Loveland, the tight end for Michigan, had a phenomenal game blocking down the field for his running backs. Awesome. Fantastic. J.J. McCarthy, you know, the, the guy, if he played any longer, he, he'd have a chance, you know, going after Jay. I know Jay Barker used to have, like, I think he was the top, but uh, phenomenal record. And so we get towards halftime. Washington has scored and makes it 17-10. to 10. They get the ball to start the second half, and you're like, man, if Washington can score, make it 17-17, we could have a ball game, even though it felt like it was a runaway victory. But then on the very first play of the second half. Tybo Rogers is the back. Johnson not in there. Pump fake that direction, and now just has to lob it up, and it's intercepted. Picked off. Rodgers tried to break it up. Will Johnson scooped it off the turf. The first turnover of the night. Pettix slow to get up and hobbling off. He was hit by Mason Graham. Mason Graham in the backfield all night. All night. But a great, I mean, a great interception. But that's on the very first play of the second half. Now, again, Michigan. Really doesn't do anything with it. You know, could have really turned it over. But late in the fourth, and we get make it all the way to the fourth quarter before it was finally set for Michigan to ice this game. It's a very crafty play calls down here. Instead, they just handed this time to Cora. Sets back, breaks a tackle. Touchdown, Michigan. Blake Corn, Blake the Great, setting the record for most touchdowns in the season. I mean, he came back from injury last year. And so that makes it, you know, 27 for Michigan. You're thinking, man, it, it, it's over. It, it's over. Washington's driving again in the fourth quarter, trying to, to force something. Michigan found a way to seal the deal. Penix looks the other direction down the seat. It's intercepted by Sandra still. Mikey Sandra still has a couple of blockers. A convoy. Michigan. Set up inside the 10. Mikey Sandra still. That's, that's awesome. I mean, again, great plays defensively. And the way it comes down, man, kudos to Michigan. And we need to say hail to the victor. Hail to the victors. Hail to the conquering heroes. Michigan with their first outright national championship in decades. So, but kudos. And it makes me sad because now the college football season is over. And just like that. But what I'm excited, what this end brings is a new beginning. And that new beginning welcomes Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. Now, I live here in Birmingham. 
being a Sooner fan, I'm extremely excited to the fact that Oklahoma is going to be here. I can go watch games less than a half-day drive to almost everywhere. Auburn is 92 miles away from where I live. Tuscaloosa is 45 miles away from where I live. Ole Miss, two-hour drive. Starkville, not that far. If we play Vanderbilt and Nashville, not that far. Knoxville, not that far. I mean, I'm so excited to be able to go and watch the team that I've always pulled for, the team that I covered, the team that I'm a fan of. Now they're going to be in the SEC. But what makes it even more interesting is news that came out yesterday. The world was shocked. I remember the day when Bob Stoops announced his retirement. There were rumblings going around here, around here in Birmingham, listening to guys like Greg McElroy and Cole Kublick, who do uh, the Jocks 94.5, the morning show out here. Phenomenal job with them, what they do, breaking down film. Greg, of course, playing at Alabama for Coach Saban. But it comes out yesterday, Coach Saban is retiring. Everybody is blown away. Like it, it's, it's almost like that scene in um, The Office. It's happening. Oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. Because no one, you heard rumblings about it. Now, I was able to, my good buddy Toby Rowland asked me to come on the T-Row in the morning show this morning. Um, I'm recording this on a Thursday. He had me come on and kind of give him my idea for the people back in Oklahoma what is going on here in Alabama. And from what I've heard, fans reacting. And, you know, we talked about who I thought was going to be next. Now, I'll say this. There was a lot of reasons that I thought Dan Lanning was going to be the, the guy to get it. A lot of reasons I thought he wasn't. Because if you think about Dan Lanning's buyout, which is $20 million, who's going to pay for that? And where do those funds come from? And what part of the program suffers? So when you think about this coach, it's got to be somebody who's a good recruiter, which means you have to be in on the portal. You have to be in on NIL. So if you're paying $20 million, now that's just the buyout. Now you got to come to the table and, and make a big, a big investment. And the question with that big investment, is it worth the replacement of Nick Saban? Is Dan Lanning that guy? Would he be the person that could really take on that? I'm the guy after, after coach Saban. Cause it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You know, the only one that I can really think that had a lot of success was Jimbo after Bobby Bowden. Lincoln Riley was on that way until he did what he did at Oklahoma. It's just, it's hard to be the guy that takes over for a legend. And you look at Coach Saban and what he did from that first year where Alabama lost back-to-back games to Louisiana Monroe and Mississippi State. He vowed it never would happen again. It didn't happen again. You win six national championships. And I saw this stat, which was absolutely mind-boggling. In his time at Alabama, 17 years, think about other teams, how many losses they've had in 17 years, right? In those times at Alabama, since 2007, and I'd say that's when he probably took the majority of his losses, Nick Saban has had more first-round draft picks in the NFL than losses at the University of Alabama. I think it was 49 first-round, no, 44 first-round picks, 29 losses at the University of Alabama. That's, that's incredible. That's kind of like the old Tom Izzo stat that for a long time, anybody that stayed four years 
played in a Final Four for Tom Izzo. I mean, those are coaching stats that, I mean, he's, and I always hate you getting like, he's a, is he a first ballot? Either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not, okay? But he is definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. Whenever it's time to put him in, he's in. He's in. But now, who do they bring in? All right? It's being reported now. I'm seeing that uh, Dan Lanning, who was a popular name and apparently was in Tuscaloosa, is staying at Oregon. Sources are telling 247 Sports. So, again, that's a hard get. Now, Alabama's a school that could go out and get any coach they want, right? They could. But there you're going against a huge paycheck in a huge booster with that big Nike swoosh across his chest and Phil Knight. And it would be extremely hard. Now, Dan did a great job with Bo Nix. He's got Dylan Gabriel coming in. Tess Walker said he's coming back. They're, you know, trying to build this momentum. They barely lost two games to Washington, a team that made it to the national championship. So it's it's good. So if, if he's staying at Oregon, who's next? I saw some names, you know. Steve Sarkeesian, that would be interesting. Me being an Oklahoma fan, I think it would be interesting because it could lead to maybe some upheaval at Texas. I know there's a lot of fans out here that are like, hey, we can get Sark to come. He'll bring Arch Manning with him. That'll kind of lock everything down. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not sold on Arch Manning. Now, again, if he comes out, gets some playing time in the SEC and proves that he is that that guy, I'll, I'll admit it, and I'll admit that I was wrong. But I'm still not sold because I've told everybody if his name was Arch Jones, nobody would give a shit. Plain and simple. Nobody would care who that guy is. So we'll see. I would like that, again, because, you know, it could cause some upheaval in Texas. But if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you'd already beat Texas. or You already beat Alabama. And now this ripple effect of everything that can happen is who knows what's going to go down because – with Nick Saban gone, players have 30 days now for the transfer portal. One of the most talent-rich rosters out there, there might be some people making phone calls saying, hey, why don't you come here? We got a coach that's you know in. People are talking Lane Kiffin. I don't think Lane Kiffin is going to go, and I'll tell you why I don't think Lane Kiffin is going to go. I don't think Lane is going to go because of what he has, what he's building at Ole Miss. First 11-win season in Ole Miss history. He is dominating the transfer portal right now, not only with the numbers, but the talent level of guys that he's bringing in. There's people around that are saying that possibly next year's Washington is Ole Miss. So you have that. Mike Norvell. You know, Norvell built that team. He took a bad, rundown Florida State program and built it. Sad. He didn't have a chance to capitalize and go to a playoff game this year. But obviously the players believe in him and bought into him and stayed to try to win this championship. It's it's just it's gonna be so hard to be that person that takes over for Nick Saban. Okay. And I think the Alabama fans need to realize those expectations because how many coaches have done what Nick Saban did when he got to Alabama? Don't have those expectations of six national champions. And, and, and I might be wrong. Maybe they find somebody that's a home run. I still believe 
that Alabama won't hire anybody that does not have a Saban tie. I don't think that would make the fan base feel all warm and fuzzy. But again, it, you know, and I talk about the fan base in Alabama. I'm, I'm a, I talk to them, you know, and I always say this. Every fan base has their good fans. Every fan base has their bad fans. The younger Alabama fans, and I say this with all due respect, those who don't remember before the Saban era, you know, that have just heard stories of, you know, Mike DeBose and, and all, uh, just Mike Price, those guys, all they know is Saban football and winning and domination, right? Now, granted, you can argue that Alabama's had the two best coaches in college football history and Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. It's going to be hard to replace that guy and to be that guy. But I don't know, do they look inside? You know, Kevin Steele just announced his retirement, the defense coordinator. Would that be somebody they bring back? Tommy Reese, an offense coordinator. There was a lot of fans who weren't really happy with Tommy Reese from the Alabama side throughout the year, so I don't know if that's something they get the okay for. But who, who's going to be the guy? Dabo? I don't think it's going to be Dabo. Now, four or five years ago, if Saban retired, say, like after Clemson had beat him, Probably, but now Dabo has become the icon at Clemson. Okay, he's the guy. The all he's the goat at Clemson. Brought in multiple national championships, generational quarterbacks, talent. Now he hasn't been the same since BV left. But his non NIL, non portal participation, I think, is going to hurt him because, especially in the SEC, now this is becoming an arms race. Who's going to pay the guys? And I'm still waiting for the day when a kid will actually admit, I went here because they paid me more. Not for the coaches, not for the history, but that's what we're, and it's sad. That's where we're going. Who's going to pay more? But it's up in the air. This is going to be fun to watch, see where they go. Dan Lanning, apparently out of the race. I've seen James Franklin, which I think is laughable. James Franklin's done nothing but mediocrity at... Penn State? No. I could have seen Mike Elko before he took the, the A&M job. He went at a tough place. Very tough guy. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see where Alabama goes. But And there's reports. Again, that, that trickle-down effect is, say, Sark leaves to go to take that job. Now Texas has to find somebody to hire. Those Texas players now have 30 days. They can enter the portal, do whatever they want. Then say Texas hires somebody else away. Now those guys have th- – it, it's it, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I don't know if there's anybody in the NFL. Some people have said D'Amico Ryans with what he's done at Houston, which, again, is phenomenal. I'm getting ready to talk about the NFL and the playoffs, and the Houston Texans are part of that. But I just – I don't – I don't know if, like, that relationship is great. I mean, because I, I can't remember the last time I saw D'Amico Ryans at an Alabama game. Now, he still loves his university. A little, you know, contentious because of how things ended when he was there with some of the coaching staff. But, again, it, it's going to be very interesting to see where Alabama goes. But that's why college football now, it's a year-long news cycle. It's a year-long news cycle. So, buckle up, get ready, because it's going to be a lot of fun. But... Congratulations to Michigan, 34-13. Hail to the victors. 
They are your national champion. And it's going to be hard. They, I mean, undefeated this year? 15-0? No. I mean, you think about, you got to almost go 20-0 and 0 next year to go undefeated. It's not going to happen, guys. It's not going to happen. But the NFL, news out there, coaches. Belichick, gone. Pete Carroll, gone. Arthur Smith from the Falcons, gone. Ron Rivera from my team, the Commanders, gone. Chargers have fired. The, who's going to be, you know, there's reports Jim Harbaugh could go out there and coach. Now, so say Harbaugh leaves. There's Michigan players. Now, I think they got a guy in Sharon Moore that would probably, I think they would offer Sharon Moore the job. Sharon Moore would probably keep a majority of the, the, the talent there. You know, their quarterback orgy, guys like that. I think they would keep most of them there. Like, if, if Harbaugh leaves, I wouldn't be surprised if Sharon Moore got the job. Just because he was the guy they put in charge when Harbaugh was suspended. But it's going to be interesting. So I'm going to switch over to talking about the NFL. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. And to let you know, I'm going to be on live Saturday and probably Sunday. So if you want to come on to YouTube Live, again, you can f- subscribe at YouTube at Sports Bites Podcasts. All right? You can check it out. You can see the logo. Look for the logo. I'm going to be on live, so that way we can chat, we can interact. Now, I can't actually stream the games. That's illegal. But I'm going to talk about what's going on. And also, that's the day Oklahoma and Kansas play in Fog Allen. Hopefully, it's the time. Oklahoma hasn't won there since 93. And I hope that Oklahoma can leave in basketball with a win at Fog Allen, one of the uh, tradition-rich places before they head to the SEC. But if you're looking at the playoffs, right? You got that first round of playoffs, the wild card weekend, Steelers and the Ravens. This, you know, the game, I, I'm really intrigued about this game. I just don't know. Mason Rudolph, to me, he he's he, he's not the guy. I don't think he's the guy to lead him through. And that's, that's not who's playing. Why am I? I'm not even looking. I got the wrong... I'm sorry. Look at me. The Browns and Texans right off. But Steelers play the Bills. So the Browns and Texans. All right. I talked about D'Amico Ryan. Nobody does this in the NFL. Nobody wins 10 games their first year in the NFL, their first head coaching job, with a rookie quarterback. C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud should win the MVP. That's my vote. Not only rookie of the year, I think he should win the MVP. Nobody. Myself included. I did not give Houston a chance in the South. And they played really well during the playoffs. Taking on Joe Flacco and the Browns. Now, the thing about the Browns is the Browns play really, really good defense. Really good defense. C.J. Stroud's thrown for over 4,100 yards. 23 touchdowns. Only five interceptions. That's huge. Ball security. And, And think about some of the guys that were great like Peyton Manning and all these, you know, Troy Aikman in those years when they were starting their rookie year as a quarterback, how many interceptions did they throw? C.J. Stroud did a fantastic job with Nico Collins at wide receiver, former Michigan grad. He was at the championship game. I'm sure he was happy at NRG Stadium watching his alumni win the national championship. I just, it, it's in tech, it's in Houston, but I think, that defense is just going to carry too much. Now I'll be, I'll eat my words real, you know, if Houston 
comes out and wins. What, what's that pressure going to be like for C.J. Stroud? Joe Flacco's been there. Joe Flacco's been to the Super Bowl. It, it, it's a big difference. But I think that defense in the run game for the Browns, you're going to be inside, so you're not in, like, Cleveland weather. Cleveland's favored by two and a half with an over of 44 and a half. I would probably take Cleveland given the two and a half in that. I like Cleveland to win that game. And I think the over of 44 and a half, man, you look at a 24-20 game and and you don't win. I would probably I'd probably take the under in that game. I, I think the under is gonna go because I just think the the Browns defense is playing really, really well. Now the other AFC game I know a lot of people are mad about. The game is going to be on Peacock, 7 o'clock on Saturday night. The Dolphins and the Chiefs, okay? Dolphins and the Chiefs. Now, from what I'm hearing, kickoff temperature is supposed to be 1 or 0. That's gross. Now, I was at the Big 12 championship game when Oklahoma played Nebraska there, and that was the coldest I had ever been in my life, okay? The coldest standing in a, in a pile of snow in the stadium because all they did was just shove the snow to the side. There was a snowball fight between Nebraska fans and Oklahoma fans. Man, cold. But they're talking about a wind chill of like minus 15, minus 16, a night game in Kansas City. Ooh, that's why I think the run game with Mostert and A-Chain is going to be good. And you got Pacheco for Kansas City. And who's going to be able to really capitalize on what they can do? Now, everyone says in, in bad weather games like that, it's an advantage to the offense because the receivers know the routes they're going to run. So I would imagine this is a game that Travis Kelsey has a huge game. Tua, you know, a lot of people kind of digging on him for what happened at the end of the last game. I don't think this is going to be an explosive game for the Dolphins. And I think it's a bad setup for Miami to come in to a Kansas City, those fans love the cold. Those fans love that team, and I think it's going to be absolutely nuts and bonkers. And I think Kansas City wins that game. Kansas City is favored by four and a half. That's that's a lot. Total of 43 and a half because of the weather. It could You could have one of two ways. You know, turnovers, scooping scores, stuff like that. But I think I would take, if I'm betting spread, I would probably take Miami plus the four and a half. If I'm betting straight up, I take Kansas City. And that's another one, 43 and a half. Man, they can score. But in that weather, I don't know. I would still take the over. I'll take the over in that game. That's what I think. So we move to Sunday. Steelers, Bills. And, you know, you look at the game cast. Who's supposed to start? Kenny Pickett. Dad, you okay? It's our phone bill. We pay for things that oh, we don't sorry. need. Loaded. I forget that always happens. But you think about Pittsburgh. Najee Harris, questionable. TJ Watt is out now. And the way Buffalo's been playing. Other than the first quarter of that Miami game to end the season, Buffalo's playing extremely well. Stephon Diggs, Cook, Allen. You know, I love the defense for the Bills. It's going to be 22 degrees in Orchard Park. 
Now, this is it's crazy. Buffalo's favored by 10 with an over-under of 35. That's a real low. Maybe some snow. I would probably take Buffalo plus a 10. I don't know about the over. It, it almost feels like the Buffalo window is closing at some times. So they've got to be really careful with what they do. But I like Buffalo in this game. I think, again, defensively, what they're doing, it, it, it's it's Buffalo. Buffalo having a chance to make it all the way. We'll see. Packers-Cowboys, we know the history of this matchup. You know, Jordan Love, Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, who's had a phenomenal year. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Oklahoma guy. I hate the Dallas Cowboys. C.D. Lamb has become almost unstoppable. And I saw a lot of people, his ability is to run with the football after he's made a catch. Why don't they try some jet sweeps, do something more with him? Get him the ball, let him try to create in space. Dallas by seven is the spread, an over of 50. I don't know, Jordan Love, I don't know if this is going to be the time. he. I would take the under in that game, and I would take Dallas. I think Dallas blows Green Bay out. Uh, I'm not sold on Green Bay this year. They, they, they make it in, but I'm not sold. The game that's really, really intriguing because of the matchup, and the NFL scriptwriters did a great job, the Lions host the Rams. Comes in the longtime suffering quarterback from the Lions, Matt Stafford. He goes to the Rams. He went to Super Bowl. One of the guys they traded him for, Jared Goff. Now here are the Lions, NFC North Division champions. Really a, a play or two away from being the number one seed. Detroit favored by three and over of 51 and a half. I like the over in this one. I would probably take Detroit minus a three. While I think it's a great story, I don't know. If, now, the question is, is Laporta going to be able to play? He got banged up for the Lions, who's, who's been really effective for them. But Puka Nakua setting the record for most receptions, most yards for the Los Angeles Rams as a rookie. Fantastic, you know, setting the rookie records. Amon Ross St. Brown has been amazing for the Lions this year. I just think the Lions, they've got something going. I like the Lions. I like the Lions probably to advance to the NFC Championship game. I don't know if they're going to make the, the Super Bowl. Depends on the matchup. But I like the Lions making it to the NFC Championship game. That's indoors, so you got to worry about it. Then Monday night, the close of Super Wild Card Weekend, right? Monday night, Eagles, Bucks, Baker. The Eagles have lost five to six. Baker Mayfield. 4,000 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. It's almost the same stats as Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson's talked about as an MVP. Interesting. Yes, I'm, I, I am a Baker Mayfield fan. I stick up for him. A.J. Brown, his health is going to be important to the, to the Eagles. But losing five of six down the stretch... I don't know if that's a good sign. Now, they played early in the year on a Monday night football game. It was kind of raining in Tampa. A couple turnovers. Eagles were able to capitalize. But I like the Bucks in that. I like the Bucks there. But that means it's time for one of my favorite segments, my give them a sixer, six picks for the playoffs. Here's the snap. Look, swing play to Payne. He's looking to the 10, cuts outside, 5, touchdown, give him a sixer, Brian Payne. 
Peyton Gavers looking for a pass down the far side. Caught touchdown! Corbin Cleveland, give him a sixer! All right. Here's my picks. What I think is going to happen in the playoffs. I'm going to run them down real quick. I like the Texans. But I'm taking the Browns. I think the Browns win this game. I think they cover the two and a half. I'll take the Browns. I like the Chiefs to cover the four and a half against the Dolphins. At home in that cold weather, Dolphins don't like to be frozen. It's not good. I will take the Bills. Minus the 10. I think this could be an ugly game. I know Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. Kudos, but, you know, J.J. Watt out. It's not going to be good. Packers-Cowboys, I'll take the Cowboys minus a 7. I I just don't think Jordan Love is ready yet. Lions-Rams, I like the Lions at home. I know it's a great story. Matthew Stafford coming back. But I uh, I like the Lions to win that game in a cover. And the final of the Super Wild Card Weekend, the Eagles and the Bucks. It says Philadelphia minus three. I'm taking Tampa for the upset. Tampa Bay for the upset. So that's my give them a sixer, six pick of games for Wild Card Weekend. And since the Wild Card is going to be going on at Raymond James Stadium, let's talk about what you can get to eat there. It's time to talk about what you can eat and where you can eat at Raymond James Stadium. So if you've ever been there, if you're going to go there, there's some great food. I love Tampa. You know, Ibor City is down there. It's a lot. There's a lot of beautiful places. All right. Your classic Raymond James Stadium food. Classic meals, burgers, obviously, peanuts, popcorns, all that stuff. Now, again, here's another Little Caesars at a at a facility. I, I just, I'm not, sorry, I can't. You, Little Caesars used to be really good. Now it's, it's less than mid, if you ask me. But Little Caesars pizza there. Pizza plant, they serve pizzas along with loaded Italian sausage sandwiches. Now, I'm in on that. Give me a nice Italian sausage with some peppers and onions and a cold beer. Yes, sir. Thank you. Tampa Bay fried chicken with wavy fries. Good stuff. Crafty dogs. You know, keep the Chicago dog away from me. I'm not a fan of the pickle and the tomato with the dog, but the bacon wrapped dogs. Woo! Yeah. Busy hard seltzer. You know, where you can get some seltzer now. Some new stuff. More of the gourmet. The taste of Tampa. A nice Cuban sandwich, which I really like Cuban sandwiches. The mustard, the pickle with that Swiss Get that pr- oh, I love it. But the taste of Tampa, you'll get Cuban sandwiches. The Coppertail Brewing Company, they've got signature cocktails, craft beers. The Aussie Grill got a bacon cheeseburger. Yeah, bacon cheeseburger is where it's at. The Cannon Fire Barbecue Kettle Chips, Barbecue Pulled Pork, Brisket Sandwiches, and then Wing House. If you're looking for boneless wings, the Blacksmith Bacon Burger, Curly Fries, it's over there on the main concourse, Wing House. That's where it's at. Classic desserts, they got a refillable popcorn bucket and ice cream sundaes and frozen yogurt. So if you're going out to Raymond James Stadium, if you're going to be out there anytime for any game, any activity, you can go check out some. And and again, thank you to um, thestadiumreviews.com. That's where I get all my information about what's going on 
at stadiums, right? But, guys, thank you. Again, if you're listening on a podcast through your Apple device, your Google device, anything, wherever you're listening, please like, leave a rating. That helps me out. Share with somebody who, who likes sports talk, who likes food. Let them know what's going on. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see down here on my socials, I'm on X at at Sports Bites Pod 1. TikTok at Sports Bites Pod. On YouTube at Sports Bites Podcast. And then on Instagram, Sports Bites Podcast. You can follow. I'm going to have again cooking stuff, but I'm going to be live on YouTube. So if you want to come by, and again, I can't stream the games, but if you want to interact while the games are going on this weekend, and I'll send out some reminders, let everybody know I will be live. I'm going to do that Saturday, probably Sunday with a couple of games. I, I, we'll see. We'll see. But until then, everybody, remember, take care of each other. Set those goals for yourself. Believe in yourself. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And remember to always positively move forward. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Thanks for joining us on this delicious journey through the world of sports and food on Sports Bites. With your host, Chris Joseph. We hope you've enjoyed the game day stories and culinary adventures. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you've got any mouth-watering sports-related tales or favorite game day recipes, share them with us on social media. Until next time, remember, it's not just about the game. It's about the bites that make it unforgettable. Stay hungry for more Sports Bites.